First time. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, Nick. How did you do it? Wait, were you going to do the Chariots of Fire theme song? <laughs> no, I was doing our intro song. Oh. Hmm. You couldn't tell? I, I thought it was Chariots of Fire. Vangelis? I don't, I don't. I think I only remember like the big part of Chariots of Fire. What's like the... What's the big part? Dun, oh, dun, when the dun, guy... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that part. You're doing good. I see. I would recognize that. <laughs> I'd been like, oh, chariots of fire. It kind of hurt that you didn't. <laughs> you got to put that on that. I want that. That real high note. I want, that, I want that on the front. Nick on falsetto podcast. Yeah. Our subscriber count for the like <laughs> chop and a half. <laughs> Double. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Dr. Wignall. Hey, Todd. Recently, um, I've had quite a few patients. I I, I treat a lot of uh, depression. I really enjoy treating depression. Um, for, for many reasons, I'm sure you understand those because mm-hmm. you also love gene depression. Um, but I'm always, um, a little bit taken aback sometimes by, um, how very little we understand about depression, um, in the general public. Hmm. It seems to be like a really significant issue in our country, in the world maybe, but we, mm-hmm. we tend not to know very much about how it works functions operates i think if if um <laughs> if this were any other kind of physical ailment people would know like oh here's how you avoid that mm. right i think you know if this was like a um a cold or an infection or yeah. something people would know like oh here's you wash your hands you do these things you well in okay in that spirit w- yes. what's your best kind of quick definition of depression like what is depression not not the big long scientific answer, but just you know what what do people need to know when they think about how should people think about what depression is about what depression is? Yeah, before we get into kind of how to deal with it. Well, it, it seems to be a pattern of thought, emotion, and behavior that is disengaging um, and um, dysfunctional. And kind of pulls people out of their lives, basically, and, and renders them. Um, I mean, I mean, of course, the hallmark symptoms are kind of that low mood, very, very, okay. uh, lots of feelings of guilt and hopelessness, and some of those things. Um, but when someone feels depression, when someone suffers from depression, depression, it's a very painful, um, kind of like swimming in peanut butter. Is what some of my clients have tried to compare it to like, I just can't get moving. I can't Uh, get thinking, you know, every operation is, 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 uh, or everything I do is kind of in that like really slowed down onerous. uh, I I think that's a common misconception that a lot of people think of depression and they think, well, it's just severe sadness. Oh yeah. yeah, Like you're just really sad for a long time. And we do that a lot. Um, I'm depressed today. Right. Yeah. But, and, and while sadness can be, a, you know, a significant symptom of depression, what, what you're kind of alluding to is that often the motivational component to it is, is bigger that it's, it's just, Definitely. you don't feel like you have the energy or motivation to do things you normally do. Right. Right. And, and that feeling leads to these behaviors that are disengaging and kind of mm. take you away from kind of a normal life. 
Um, and so people finally, you know, eventually find themselves very isolated and alone. And um, yeah, it's a brutal disorder, I think. Okay. It can be, yeah. Um, and so there's always this kind of psychoeducation piece we do on depression um, in, in, in kind of laying out how, how depression operates, how it works, what causes it, what maintains it, some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm always kind of not not completely shocked or anything, but it's always kind of like, oh, yeah, a lot of people just don't know this about their emotional or affective state, mm. that that these kinds of things might be unhealthy per se. What kinds of things? Um, well, I often have clients who have this brutal internal dialogue about how horrible they are, right? Mm. Um, and when I point out that having that thought process kind of running through your head all the time might possibly be influencing the way they feel, you know, that mm. their mood, um, and then kind of have an impact on their behavioral, you know, repertoire as well. Sometimes there's this look of shock, like, oh, Oh. oh, I can see that, you know, I can see how, and and sometimes I'm like, wow, like they hadn't quite put that together yet. You so know? just if I can re- rephrase here. Sure. So it sounds like what you're saying is a lot of people get hit with depression and that's what it feels like. They like, like they it caught a virus yeah. and it just comes yeah. on all of a sudden they, their mood's really low. They don't have energy or enthusiasm to do things they normally do. Right. Um, all the other kind of hallmark symptoms of depression. And what you're saying is there, to a large extent, there are actually very, um, there are causes and contributors to depression, but that they're not obvious to people. And so you mentioned the, the example of self-talk. Right. Like how you talk to yourself all the time matters is really going to impact how you feel and therefore how you behave. Right. Um, but that that's not something most of us are used to thinking much about. Yeah, or the connection between the thoughts in your in your head and how you feel mm-hmm. emotionally. That right. that connection isn't as um, well known as as I would hope or think it would be. Which is one of the reasons why depression is so feels so mysterious. Right. And, right. And people and aren't uh, very um, well educated about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for good reason because it's kind of subtle. Yeah, or or that connection just isn't apparent Not for some reason. Used to and and once you're out. inside depression, nothing's apparent. Apparent. I should probably mm. point that out that everything seems really bleak and disastrous and and painful. And and so I, I wouldn't expect the connection maybe to be made inside depression. But yeah, yeah, okay. it's a it's a brutal realization. Um, so I kind of put together a couple of thoughts that I share with clients, um, about depression, but I'm also curious about what, how do you talk about depression with your clients in, mm-hmm. in kind of a, a nuts and bolts kind of psychoed way? How do you talk to your pro- clients about what depression is and here's how it's working and yeah, yeah. how do you do that? So I, one of the ways I, so depression is not my specialty. I, I do work with people who have depression. Um, mm-hmm. but I often start with saying like, you know, even as professionals, we, we don't know exactly, we don't understand depression like we understand polio, for instance. Right. Um, it's not completely well understood. It often looks different for different people. We don't know exactly why that is. Um, there seems to be some, there's a lot of psychological components. There's, there seems to be some physiological components as well. So I usually lead with the idea, trying to be kind of validating, that we don't actually understand completely or super well what causes depression in the first place. Um, But that being said, we actually have a really good idea of what keeps it going and what makes it worse for people. Mm -hmm. And that if you can understand that, the vast majority of people who struggle with depression, especially mild or moderate depression, which is most of um, most depression, 
you can you can go a long way towards um, managing and even getting rid of depression if you understand those maintaining factors in depression. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't know exactly all the the causes of depression initially. Um, so I try to take this kind of pragmatic, empowering point of view with people that yes, we don't perfectly well understand everything about it, but there are some with a little bit of insight um, and some experimentation, there are some really practical things um, everyone can do on a, especially on a cognitive or, or mental level, and then also on a behavioral or physical level that go a long way towards improving depression. So yeah. maybe we can, and because you're, you're more of a cognitive guy and I'm more of a behavioral guy, what if we, I'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on kind of mentally and cognitively, what are some good ways to, um, to handle depression and to work through it? And then maybe I can give a few couple thoughts on the behavioral side. Of sure. Things. Sure. Um, with the caveat that those things are, are interrelated sometimes, or at least, um, uh, it, it, there's a relationship totally. between them, but yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the, one of the first things I, 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 I do use a lot of cognitive therapy. Um, and one of the first things I like, uh, clients to start doing is just kind of being more mindful or paying attention to their thought process, mm-hmm. their thoughts in general. Um, and, and this is twofold thoughts, um, kind of lead to emotional experiences. Um, and then those emotional experiences impact behavior a great deal. Uh, and, and so to really kind of start sometimes by, by looking at a, uh, what a client's thinking and, and their pattern of thought, um, is, is where I usually start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the psychoeducation about, Hey, here are the things that are maintaining these symptoms or, or exacerbating them. And one of them, um, definitely can be the way you think about yourself and the world around you. Um, one of the first things we do is really concentrate on, uh, helping them get a better handle on their thought process and patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do this in an easy way of just kind of tracking thoughts, uh, explicitly by, by, coaching them to say, you look, anytime you have, um, a dip in your mood or, or something that makes you feel, um, sad, take out a sheet of paper basically, or, or whatever recording device you want to use. And, and let's get a good idea of what's going on in that moment for you right there. Um, what your thoughts are about that and then how you're feeling. Um, and, and I usually just start there, but we, and, and, and for two reasons, I want, I want the client to start becoming more and more aware of their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see how their thoughts impact their mood, mm. because as they record those things, and it sounds ridiculous. It sounds really tedious yeah. and, and weird, but I can't tell you almost every single client comes back and says, Oh my gosh, I had no idea right. how often I was having this thought pattern or how often, you know, I felt terrible during the day and, and what thoughts were kind of running through my head. And I, I never realized how brutal my thoughts are how often or how intense, you know, and, and so it's a really revealing thing to do with your clients and it helps them start picking out their own thought pattern because mm-hmm. usually we, we, we develop patterns as humans and how we see ourselves in the world and um, they can begin to start seeing how they interpret things in a um, habitual sort of way. Mm-hmm. So you can get into mental habits, self-talk habits, just as easily as you can get into physical habits. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once you're able to identify and really recognize patterns, you're in the perfect position then to start changing those patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, once you're identifying something and and you kind of know you'd like to alter it, 
um, and, and you're able to recognize that pattern over and over again, man, the change is a lot easier mm-hmm. than, than someone's just who's depressed and saying, oh my God, how do I stop feeling depressed? Um, this actually gives them kind of a handle to, to hold on to through the process and, and, and orient themselves to a lot of change. So, um, but it's kind of a counterintuitive mood, move, like you said, that the temptation, because you feel so bad in depression, that naturally is where our attention tends to go on the yeah. feeling. I want to change, right? this I want to change how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're suggesting, it seems like, is that really you, you can't directly change how you feel. Right. The way you get at it is sort of indirectly by looking at your, how you're thinking right. indirectly impacts how you feel and that that's maybe the better place to intervene. Definitely. And a really, I mean, simplistic example of this is I, I tell my clients, look, if, if I'm walking down the street and you're walking towards me and you say, hi, Todd, and I just walk right on by you, I don't acknowledge you at all. <laughs> um, and you interpret that as what a jerk. I hate that. You know, he made me feel like an idiot. Um, then, then you're likely to be upset mad, sure. maybe a sad or ashamed or whatever that is. And that's going to impact your behavioral response probably. Now that same thing could happen and you could think, wow, he must not have heard me. I know Todd fairly well. He wouldn't just ignore me. That's weird, you know? And mm-hmm. then you're left with a different feeling, which is kind of neutral or confused or right. a little strange, but you're not upset and ticked off, right? And so the way you interpret these things, the way you think about events in your life definitely impacts your your emotion. Mm-hmm. But a lot, a lot of clients, you're right. They, they want to come in and change the way they feel right away. And um, through this process, you can kind of show them this is how your thoughts are actually creating these feelings that you're having um, or, or at least adding to and, and maintaining some of these feelings. Right. Yeah. And, and so just that simple exercise of getting them to monitor their thoughts and start identifying patterns is a huge start to cognitive therapy. Because mm-hmm. then we can work on... Um, assessing those thoughts for functionality, for usefulness. Uh, we can get into all sorts of other um, um, techniques to kind of help them improve their thought process um, to be a more functional one and, and one that isn't um, laden with all these negative internal feelings that mm-hmm. come along with depression. Yeah. Cool. And it seems to be pretty effective. Mm-hmm. A good effective route, at least to start. Right. Treating depression. Um, so this is, uh, this is a great place to start, I think, because it, it sort of isolates some of the key, like the key factors or variables when it comes to depression. There, there are thinking, feeling, behaving. Yeah. Right. Or, or, most disorders, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of think it, it's really useful, I think, to think in terms of those three key variables. And what you're suggesting is oftentimes if you're feeling really badly, you can't you can't change your emotion directly, mm. but you can change it indirectly by changing how you think, right? So, right. Um, so a similar sort of tack you can take on it is, you can also change how you behave, which will in turn change how you think and then how you feel as well. Often, just like our emotions follow from our thoughts, often how we tend to think comes from how we what we do and how we tend to behave and what experiences we put ourselves in correct so another way a more what i think of as a more behavioral approach um to treating depression is is, it's called behavioral activation is the the technical kind of term for it but it's it's really a, a, a straightforward idea which is that you um 
Well, it, it starts with like you, you had, you said one of the first things you do is have people start to keep track of their thoughts and notice patterns and mm-hmm. habits in the way they think about things. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I'll start to do with people um, who struggle with depression is I'll say, you don't need to do anything different at first. Here, here's all I want you to do. I just want you to keep track of what you do every day. Right. Like as you, you know, get, get a, you know, get a sheet of paper and list each hour and then just make a note of what you did, you know, got up at this time, you know, made breakfast, watch TV here and just very simply and easily just kind of keep track of what you're doing. So rather than a thought record, it's more of a behavior record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a record of what you do. Right. right? Um, and then you can also, if you want, you can sort of note, you know, how did you feel either, either kind of in general about the day or at different points throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is we will generate a list of things that will we'll kind of validate. All right, right now I get that you feel crappy. You don't really feel like doing anything. Right. But hypothetically, back when you weren't feeling depressed, what were the types of things you really enjoyed doing? Things mm-hmm. that made you feel good, um, things that gave you a sense of accomplishment. Um, and we'll just sort of brainstorm a list of things um, that people like to do, whether it was working out at the gym or, you know, getting drinks with buddies after work or working on your, you know, your stamp collection hobby, (laughs) whatever it is, right? Playing some golf. Um, And then we say, okay, we give the rationale that even though you don't feel very good right now, the, the idea is if how we behave tends to change both how we think and how we feel. So if in small ways, if we can start to change how we behave, downstream we can affect how we end up feeling mm-hmm. now the pro the problem is superficially this kind of sounds like just do it like the nike motto you know sure <laughs> sure oh you're, you know you're, you're you're feeling depressed and you don't want to do anything we'll just start doing stuff just do stuff anyway. which of course is not helpful like <laughs> <laughs> rightly they're going to say yeah i would if i had the motivation to do it right, right. So what I have to do is flip the theory around and say, well, that's true. When we, when we feel like doing things, it's easy to do them, right? Sure. When, when you're excited to go to the gym, it's easy to go to the gym. But just because that's one way that kind of the motivation action uh, dynamic works doesn't mean it doesn't also work the other way. I think we've all had the experience of, you know, you, maybe you didn't feel super excited about going to the gym, but you have a good workout and afterwards you're like, man, I feel great. That was just a killer workout. I feel really good. Right. So it goes that way too. And we can actually harness that effect in depression. So we can, what we'll do is we'll say, okay, you don't feel like going to the gym right now, but in general, it sounds like being physically active makes you feel better for the most part. Mm -hmm. So what's a really small way you could try and um, start being a little bit more physically active? Mm. So you might say, well, okay, you don't want to go to the gym, but Maybe you go for a run around your neighborhood, right? They're like, no, yeah, I just don't. I, that sounds impossible. <laughs> right, not <laughs> right. even. Okay, not a run, right? Um, so then we break it down even further. Like, okay, well, maybe you can just go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, nah, you know, I don't, I don't know. Go for a walk. I don't. I don't feel like I yeah, can do I just, that. Yeah, I just yeah. don't feel like it. And you keep breaking it down smaller and smaller and smaller until you get to something like I, I had a recent client who the thing that finally clicked for them was, I'll just go throw the ball to my dog a little bit. Uh huh. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to change clothes. Just I don't have to do, I'm just going to toss the ball a little bit, right? And then we put that into his schedule. So that every day before lunch, this is his thing, he was going to throw the ball to his dog. And then note, how did he feel after throwing the ball to his dog? Mm-hmm. And almost without fail, there's a slight uptick in feeling as a result of doing this really tiny, small thing of 
throwing the ball to his dog, right? And then what was really cool is once you start getting more in the routine of doing that, even though you don't feel like it, it's just something you start doing, you, you get a little bit more kind of confidence or motivation that I could do something else. Okay, it's, it's, this does feel good to be a little bit more active. Your mood lifts a little bit. A little bit, yeah. which makes it then easier to do like, well, a I, guess, bit more. I guess I could go for a little 10-minute walk around the block. Yeah. Right? And you kind of slowly, incrementally build up. You build back up your, that motivation. Mm. So we tend to think of motivation that, as something we either have or we don't have. And depression, right. by definition, is all, this all of a sudden an absence of motivation. Right. The, the key insight is if you break things down into small enough pieces, you can actually start to slowly build motivation and energy and enthusiasm back up by yeah. identifying things you actually enjoy and in very small ways working back up toward them. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, it seems like... Um yeah, motivation is definitely built by action. Mm. Yeah, and nice a lot of people it. do yeah. kind of wait for motivation to just kind of attack them. Right. I guess. Um, and the but, trouble in depression is if you, you think about all these things you used to do that were so easy and you think, oh, I just can't do that. And you get kind of hopeless. Yeah. So the key insight with behavioral activation is break it down. Mm. Like really break it down and have a specific plan for how to get started doing it again. Yeah. And I think that's often the step that people miss because then you can show you can prove to yourself i can do things even if i don't necessarily feel like it right and so and 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 just to kind of round this off i think one of the great things about cognitive behavioral therapy is that oftentimes um disorders or depression in this case is treated with both cognitive interventions and behavioral interventions and so you're kind of really attacking it from two fronts Mm -hmm. Um, and those two fronts kind of lend themselves so well to together. They as support you mentioned. each other. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Um, and so if you can help people, you, you mentioned this kind of when we feel depressed, we don't want to do anything. That, that makes sense. Um, but to recognize that that mood dependency, basically, that I do what I feel like doing kind of is, is a brutal kind of a philosophy to live by, mm-hmm. right? And the sooner you get better at not being mood dependent, being able to select behaviors despite what your mood is it yeah. doesn't really matter. Um, the more freedom you have in your life to to do whatever you right. want, um, but but I agree with you. Starting breaking it down to a point where you can start building that motivation is the key. Yeah, you have to think about it like a, like building any skill. You're not just right. going to all of a sudden develop this new belief about how motivation and action work. Right. You got to slowly start to prove to yourself incrementally. Oh yeah, like I can do things even if I don't really feel. Yeah. And once you get better at doing that, it's it's amazing when you when you get rid of that burden of mood dependency. When you stop living under that rule. Yeah. And I think that's one of my favorite things about working with depression. When when your client starts to have some of those experiences, it's so rewarding to them and so satisfying. You know, mm-hmm. I'm reminded of one client who was going through a horrible divorce. And as part of it, she had to kind of clean out the house that they were living in. And she was just, it was, it was brutal, you know, to go to this house where she had spent so many years, raised kids and be reminded of this divorce, this very painful divorce. Um, and she was telling me one day at a session, I have to drain this swimming pool in the back of our yard and I just can't do it. And it was really interesting because I asked her, what do you mean you can't do it? it help, help me understand. I said, do you know how to do it? She said, yeah, there's a little pump in the garage. You just got to hook a hose to the end of it and drop it in the pool. And that's it. And I said, Oh, so you know how to do it. What what is it? You can't physically thread the hose on the pump. And she said, "Well, no, I could probably do that." 
I said, well, let's start there. Let's just see if you mm. can thread that hose on there and drop the pump in the water and see what happens. Um, and pretty soon the next session she came back and she's like, oh my God, that was, I, I literally did that. And a, and a wave of relief kind of came over mm. me because I'd procrastinated that for so long. Um, and then I just started doing other things, cleaning out the garage and doing this. And she said, before I knew it, I spent like half the day over there and made this huge dent in, in what I had to do. And it was so, you know, and it, but it was, it was that building motivation. It's mm-hmm. just one act led to another, led to another, led to another. Um, and, and so behavior is often the way I think is, is your fastest way out of depression. I think mm-hmm. the cognitive stuff will come uh, along sometimes, but some of the fastest ways out of depression are usually behavioral. Tiny right. behavior. Yeah, yeah, at first, definitely. Right. Yeah. All right. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.